Archon is the best strategy game on the Atari 8-bit. It's episode 9 of 1200XL. Hi everybody, welcome to 1200XL. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Archon, the light and the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So, Aaron, you know, normally we like to have a little lighthearted banter about uh, something tangentially related to the the title of this game. But Archon, what else do you think about when you think about Archon other than this game? Well, I think about that uh, scene in Star Wars where they're playing chess on the Millennium Falcon and the pieces are beating the crap at each other. It's a hologram. Yeah. That's sort of what everybody wanted, right? That, That was the promise of battle chess that was the promise of archon all these types of games everybody was looking back to that scene you know with uh with the wookie and the other guy i i think also if when you played chess back in the day everyone whoever had their pawn get the crap kicked out of them by like a a knight or something they always wished they could get in there with that knight with that pawn and have a fighting chance right you know as opposed to just insta getting insta killed exactly that's, that's what archon brought to the table booth yeah, yeah. I mean, there really wasn't another game like Archon before Archon. You know, you definitely had chess games before Archon, and you had yeah. strategy games, but nothing tried to nothing tried to do this. Archon was was, was a really unique concept. Of course, we're going to talk all about it right now, Aaron. Now, before we get started, I'm, this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask you: Have right. you played Archon before? I've played Archon many, 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 many times. Uh, I was a fan of this right when it right off Jump Street, man. When this mm-hmm. came out, and was a fan of the first couple of these. Just a just thought they were the best. Played them on multiple platforms, but so yes, I've played it many times. Yeah, this game was released in uh, 1983 by EA. This is one of those classic, and this is really when EA was on a roll. Uh, they uh, their first couple of years when they were releasing those uh, those sleeved games that looked like the little forty five sleeves. Yes. Uh, they, they I mean it was just hit after hit after hit, and uh, and they uh, they they published this one. It was developed by uh, Free Fall Associates. So yeah, uh, check out this list of titles EA released in nineteen eighty three during their first year of existence. You had Archon, Mule, One on One, Pinball Construction Set. I mean, talk about a murderer's row of, 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 of games. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were on an unstoppable roll. So this thing came out on almost every platform under the sun that was available at the time. This thing got an Amiga release. Uh, the CPC was in there. The Apple II, uh, the C64, the FM7 got a release. Uh, oh, yeah? Aaron. I've yeah. never fooled with that FM7 before, Boat. Yeah, uh, the Sharp X1, you know, all, all of our favorite obscure PCs, the PC88. Yeah. And, of course, uh, it's been released in all of the modern systems, too, the iPad, the iPhone, uh, the Mac got a port. Even the NES uh, got in there and got a port. And, of course, our beloved ZX Spectrum. So this thing was developed by Free Fall Associates. Who were Free Fall Associates? So this was basically a husband and wife team. You had John Freeman and Ann Westfall. And then they had a friend, Paul Ritchie. He was in there, too. So uh, John, actually, he founded Epics, the company Epics. He started it in 1978 to publish a game called Starfleet Orion for the Commodore Pet. So it's not like John just stumbled into the games industry. By the time that he he was making uh he was making Archon, he'd already founded Epics. 
Uh, he left Epics in 1981, a couple of years before starting Freefall, uh, because of office politics, and he took Anne with him. And Anne and John both left Epics to form uh, Freefall Associates. So John was the game designer, and Anne was the programmer. And it's worth noting, you know, that in an era where female programmers were not uh, so so common, uh, Anne is is really one of the, uh, the the pioneering women in the industry. So hats off, hats off to Anne Westfall. Um, so get this, Aaron. Um, there were a lot of people excited about when Freefall uh, came into being. There were rumors that the that the, the John and Anne were were getting something together. The day that they incorporated as a company. Trip Hawkins called them and offered them a development deal right off the bat, sight unseen with anything else. So he knew that the, the good things were coming from these it's guys. It's funny. It's funny you should mention that because I, I watched a, do, a little documentary about Trip Hawkins, and he he's very vocal and 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 how much he uh, enjoyed uh, the Freefall people, and also about how important they were uh, to uh, to EA in the beginning of the of the of the video game craze that era. I mean, he really, he really is a fan. So that's, I mean, I'm not the least bit surprised that they were right, right out of the gates, uh, yeah. because he, he, they could see the potential in them before they'd ever made Archon or anything else. Yeah, yeah. So Freefall's first game was sort of a Pac-Man type clone called Tax Dodge. Uh, it didn't exactly light. It didn't exactly light the world on fire. Um, they, they, that sort of quietly was released and then went away. And then they started work on two games simultaneously. Uh, they started working on uh, Archon, and then they also started working on a murder mystery game. Uh, this, this game was called Murder on the Zener Dunoof something. Um, but anyway, I bring this up. Because uh, apparently this was a very innovative game. It actually generated, procedurally generated a new plot each time it was played. Kind of like Clue, how you have, you know, a different murder, a different weapon, a different room each time it's played. Yeah. So um, it was it debuted a couple weeks after Archon, but Archon was such a big success that they sort of dropped, you know, any, any hope of doing anything else and just focused on Archon. So what happened to Freefall? Uh, so Freefall, basically what happened is uh, Freeman and Westfall, they went on to develop a couple more games, uh, such as uh, Swords of Twilight for the Amiga, which is one we haven't checked out yet, but I'm sure we're going to get to it at some point on the uh, on the Amigos. And then they also did, now have you heard of this, Aaron? Archon Ultra. Yes, I, I'm familiar with Archon Ultra. Uh, you know, the, the Archon, the way it went was Archon, Archon 2 Adept, mm -hmm. and then Archon Ultra. And Archon Ultra was sort of a modernized version of Archon. Uh, I, it was released many years after the original. I don't know what the release date on it was, Boat, for that one. But it, I know it was quite a while. It was a good chunk of change later. Yeah, 1994. I, I, yeah, I didn't like it, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I mean, it's funny. I went back and revisited it, and I like it. I like it more now than I did. But I, you know, this series progressed nicely through the first two. And we'll, we'll touch on Archon 2 a little bit later. But Archon 2 was a great sequel, and it took all the stuff that Archon did and, and made it better mm -hmm. and made it more fun and made the game more fun as a strategy game. Whereas Archon Ultra, they sort of dumped a lot of the stuff from Archon 2 Adept and just sort of went back to, to the Archon stuff. And it just, you know, and it was prettier. But, I mean, otherwise, you know, was it more playable or more fun? I didn't think so. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was that good a game. Well, you know, there, there are lots of other games that everybody has been involved with. Probably the most notable, you know, the third person for Freefall Associates was this Paul Ritchie guy. And he actually went, he actually, he left, um, he left Freefall at some point 
and he teamed up with uh, Fred Ford and developed the Star Control games, which I know you're a big fan yeah. of, Aaron. Yeah, those yeah. are great games. I'm not, so, I um, did not know that, but that does not surprise me because if you think about if you think about what is Archon, I mean, literally, the game writes itself in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. it's it's chess where it got the pieces fight, right? And if you think about Star Control, it's Archon in space. I mean, effectively, at least the first game was. They've got that strategy element, but I mean, for the most, when when the rubber meets the road, it's two different types of ships fighting, and to see who wins, you right. know. So <laughs> it's funny. I never made the connection, but yeah, that makes plenty of sense, Boat. Yeah, yeah. So that's just a little bit. Of uh, a you know the the last thing that I was able to find about Westfall is that they they're still around. Uh, they they released a bunch of uh, card based games. They sort of shifted into the card game ca- category, which I think is still highly profitable. If you can uh, you know if you can lock in, I think they actually locked in a development deal at some point during the '90s while CompuServe was still you know a force to be reckoned with. They did some card games that were featured on Prodigy's uh, game TV service. Uh, and you know, if you can lock in a development deal like that, where your games are being played on everything, everywhere this service is, that's, that's probably pretty financially lucrative. Uh, the last game that I could find that was released by them was another card game. It was called triplet cards released in 2002. And then they sort of fall off the radar. Mm, now there you go. So Archon, Aaron, I've talked a whole lot. I know that you know a lot about this game. Can you give us just sort of a bird's eye view about what's going on in Archon? Sure. It's quite simple, really. So you come up, uh, the, the game pops up on basically a chessboard. And on each side of the board, you've got a set of, of icons representing the light and the dark. Uh, there are two separate teams, and each team has their own separate entities. Uh, the dark team has more evil stuff, and the light team has more nice stuff, right? Pretty simple. And so amongst the squares on this board, you're going to see five glowing uh, dots, basically. These are power, these are power uh, points. And you need to capture these to win the game. Whoever can capture all these power points, they win the game. Uh, also, you can just wipe out the other team, and you can win the game that way, too. So there's really a couple ways to win. Uh, your goal in this is to just move your guys and try to achieve victory on these power points. Now, you'll notice that the different squares on the board are different colors. Like, there's some are white, some are black, and some are sort of a, a different color. If if you have your, if you're the good team, for example, the more of your characters you have standing on a on a white square, it tips the scales in your favor. It will give your players, it'll give your characters more energy when the fight comes. Right. So if, you, for example, if if I'm playing the dark side, and I've got almost all my characters on dark squares, and he has some of his guys on dark and some of them on light. That tips the advantage in terms of the power to fight on my side, mm-hmm. and so you can take more shots and 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 uh, and so forth. Uh, it's really it doesn't sound like a, a a huge thing, but it is because it's all about not only is the game about killing the opponent, it's also about positioning. Uh, it's also about matchups, right? Mm-hmm. For example, the dark side has a character called like a I think it's called a doppelganger, uh, and he basically shapeshifter. Shapeshifter. Thank you. He, he becomes whatever he fights, right? Mm-hmm. So if you march over your unicorn, he's a, and the unicorn's a powerful character, he's going to be a unicorn. So with a character like that, the best thing you could do is march up one of your weakest characters, like your knight, for example, and that that takes away any advantage you would have had. Uh, now, at the end of the day, the the light and dark squares often will decide who has the biggest advantage going in. Even if you have two identical characters fighting, 
if one guy happens to be on more of his colored square than the other guy, he's going to have the advantage. Now, if you throw into the mix, uh, one team has a, a, a wizard, and one team has a, like a, a sorceress or a witch, and they can both do spells. Now, the, in, in, in Archon 1, this isn't as big a deal as it is. In the second game, you have nothing but the magic users. In this game, you have just the two. And they move around like it. They can teleport around like any other characters. They've got a pretty good teleport range. And I should mention that each of the characters can move a certain amount of squares. Right? It's not like chess where you can only move in certain directions. Mm-hmm. You can go in any direction you want, but your character might only be able to move three squares. Some characters can move four squares or five squares, etc. Uh, the magic users also have the ability to cast spells. Spells they can cast are heal where you could heal one of the other one of your characters you could imprison characters like of the of the uh, opponent to where they can't move from the square they're on you could re- you could revive character uh, you could revive uh, characters that have fallen in battle and been killed uh, you can also uh, summon a elemental which are basically monsters that would come on the screen for one turn and what you're doing with those is effectively is you're trying to weaken your opponent or or kill and remove that character from the board because the elementals are pretty powerful. They're a good thing to bring out if you don't have anything in the neighborhood. They can go right. a long way. Uh, if you try to imprison someone on the opponent's team and they're on a power point, it doesn't work because the game famously says power points are proof against magic. Very famous <laughs> saying. So if you try to do anything to a character, even your own character on a power point, it won't let you. They will not. You cannot use magic. Yeah, well, now, the you, but you, the the upside is, and that's the genius of this game, is that you do want to hang out on the PowerPoints because A, that's how you win the game, but yeah. B, <laughs> icons on on PowerPoints heal faster than usual, and you're right. also protected from the effects of magic spells. So it's a plus and a minus. Now, let's talk about what happens when you actually fight, Boat. So when two pieces meet on the on the field of battle in a square, uh, the, basically that square blows up into a battlefield, okay? Now... The the battlefields here are pretty basic, okay, uh, and it depends. A lot of it depends on uh, the color of the square at the time and stuff. But you have you will basically have a, a square air arena, and inside the arena will be some obstacles, little just little. They look rocks like trees or tornadoes or trees. It, it, it varies, and they shift, and mm-hmm. and uh, and you have to go over and kill your opponent. Now, depending on what creature you're using, like if you're using like a knight, knights have swords. They don't have a missile attack, mm-hmm. so they have to walk up and whack the enemy, okay? Right. If you're using uh, a dragon, for example, they're real fast, and they also can shoot from far away and do tons of damage. You know, so they're a, they're a much easier character to use. So if you matched up a dragon versus a knight, you would have to be very, very good or very, very lucky, or the dragon would have to be very, very hurt for the knight to really have much of a chance. But unlike chess, he's got a chance. He's still in it. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where the appeal of this game is. Because if you're very, very good at the game, you can actually take out better creatures than what you are. And it makes a big difference in the game. And there's nothing more demoralizing than having one of these little geeks roll up and take out your dragon, for example. And because that's a huge that's a huge gaping hole in your forces right. when you lose and a, a, and a like lot that. of times too you know it, it'll it's 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 your typical tropes where your, your weaker characters will oftentimes move faster 
Um, and, you know, sometimes they'll have a projectile or sometimes, you know, your stronger characters will be slower moving or their range won't be as, as good. Yeah. So uh, they, they've done an excellent job of, of balancing the characters. And I really appreciate, too, the the art in this game. You look at a game like this and you're like, art, what art? Well, I'll tell you what art for a, for a, the, the what they're working with in terms of a monocolored sprite, uh, you know, probably a 32 by 32 uh, pixel sprite they're able to get a tremendous amount of detail and you can easily see the creature that they're trying to represent. So if you fight on the good side, you've got a Valkyrie, a Golem, a Unicorn, a Djinn, a Wizard, and a Phoenix. Okay? All of those sound awesome. Those are all yeah. awesome names. Um, and when you play as the Unicorn, you can tell that you're a Unicorn. You're romping around like a Unicorn. Uh, right. on, on, the, on the dark side, you've got a Banshee, a Troll, a Basilisk, a, a Shapeshifter, a Sorceress, and a Dragon. Of course, you know, who doesn't want to play any of those things? They're all awesome. And I, it's hats off to the iconography in this game because, like I said, they could have made this. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, of Chaos. It's, you know, I was going to bring that up. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Now, uh, Chaos they, is a more. It's definitely a less reflex driven game. It's more. It's definitely more strategy oriented. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but it it is very similar in in the fact that you're trying to take control over a board. Yeah, and both games. And, and of course, this was the way it had to be. Both games prove beyond a doubt that you can make great games out of like the most basic of graphics, mm -hmm. <laughs> because neither one of those games have awesome graphics, but they get a lot across in what they're and what they put on the screen. Uh, and and uh, Archon's a perfect example of that. And you're right; the different characters are cool, and a lot of them operate real different. You know, if you've got the Phoenix out there. Their power is to basically explode on top of you and da right. damage you with fire, mm -hmm. and so they want to get up on you. Well, how? What? And they can also block your shots from your missile throwers. They're a pretty effective, uh, a pretty effective uh, token on the on the screen. Now, the flip side of that is, if you fight, have two phoenixes fight each other, if someone's taken on the shapeshift, that battle can last all day because that that's that's the that's the worst battle in the game because effectively they can just sit there and go back and forth all day and never hurt each right. other. Right. And it's it's worth noting that these these battles are not timed. There's no draw no. in this no. battle. You you fight to the death every time. Yeah. yeah. Uh ultimately when as you get your forces whittled down and you whittle your opponents down, uh you're going to start bringing out the big dogs, which is the sorceress and 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 the and the uh wizard and you know they are just they're tough and they are fast and their fires they fire fast mm -hmm. and so but much like the king or the queen very much like the queen in chess you're probably not going to start bringing them out until it's going down you know i played a game earlier today where i got my forces became whittled down to the point where my matchups were bad and so at that point you need to bring out your big guns to get favorable matchups because you're not going to most of the time you're not going to beat a, a one of the really good missile throwers with a guy that, you know, with a sword, you need to have mm -hmm. somebody that can throw something. And so they, those things are your ace in the hole. You can, you can knock them out and uh, you can use them in the game. This game really was, I mean, this was the early, one of the earlier games that I played and fell in love with boat. I mean, really, I liked everything about it and it aged great. This is one of those games that you don't really need to touch up or do anything with. In my opinion, yeah. uh, you could, it still well, plays the perfectly well. I'll tell you that the the genius of this game are the luminosity cycles. Yeah. The, the the constant shifting of light and dark. First of all, it plays perfectly into the theme, the light side and the dark side, but it gives this it gives the game infinite replayability because if you didn't have that, you could solve this game pretty easily, I think. 
even in the battles, you know, how the barriers have their own luminosity cycles, where if you're on the light side, you can pass through the light colored barriers. And if you're, you know, and vice versa, right. Um, it, it just adds so much. And I'm so glad that that feature is in there because it really does make the game. Yeah, they really put some thought into it because, I mean, what they could have done is just made fighting chess mm-hmm. and, and that would have sucked. Yeah. And that's not what this is. This has zero. Well, it you know, looks I've, like I've, chess, I've but heard, otherwise, it's got nothing to do with it. I've heard that battle chess is actually the chess master's choice of chess games. That well, they that, all flock to that. That may be the case, but again, this isn't chess. This is Archon, mm. and despite the fact that it looks like chess, this right here is the is the real McCoy, and that makes it fun. I mean, listen, they sell plenty of chess simulators, but as a as a twelve year old kid or whatever, I didn't want to play that. I did want to play crap where you could have a dragon take on a unicorn. That I'll play. You know, I'm dad. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously, Archon, uh, you know, went on to be released on tons of different systems. It reviewed very, very well. Uh, I, the, you know, back in the day, the, uh, the the computer magazines didn't always give scores for games. Not like in the UK with the Spectre magazines. Uh, but they, it, it generally reviewed well. I, re- I read a bunch of the uh, magazine articles, uh, reviews on Atari Mania. Uh, they also have a voting system. Atari Mania is sort of like the Lemon Amiga of the Atari world. has a rating of 7.6 out of 10 on there. I think that's low. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, this is an 8 or a 9 game for sure. Uh, one thing that I do think could have been improved is uh, different difficulty settings for your computer opponent. Um, you know, you, you I, I was never able to beat the computer opponent. And I think that uh, playing against a buddy, of course, is the ultimate. It's the ultimate way you want to play this game. Yeah. But uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that. Um, but the, my biggest criticism is just that, you know, you to really fully have a good time with this game, you really need to be playing against your buddy and elbowing each other and getting all in each other's face. So, But I can't knock the, the, the game for the fact that I have no friends. Well, um, I will say this. Uh, this game takes a while to play. You're mm-hmm. not going to buzz through it in 10 minutes. It's, you're in for at least a half hour. Yeah. Right? Unless, yeah. Unless it's a slaughter. And uh, you, I beat the computer all the time. A mm. lot of it depends. I mean, listen, it's an arcade game. Sometimes you just get, things don't go your way. You know what right. I mean? Right. Um, in terms of the what they did with this game, I just want to touch on it briefly, which with the sequel, Archon Two added because I'm sure Sunday we'll look at that. Archon Two took all the great parts of this game and made them a hundred. They left the chessboard completely and went to went to the four elements sort of board, and you have nothing but wizards that summon every character in the game. And this all sounds, it's, they kept the PowerPoint aspect of it, but this introduced a lot more characters and a lot more diversity in, in the gameplay. And just, and it improved on this game in every conceivable way, uh, if you could believe it. Uh, and the thing is, no one plays Archon 2. And I think part of the reason is they're turned off because it doesn't look the same in mm-hmm. terms of the, check, the checkerboard setup. But if you love Archon, if you give Archon an eight, I would give Archon two a nine. I mean, it's mm. that good, and I hold Archon in the highest regard. Well, this game, I looked this game up. Oh, actually, before we go on to uh, see how much this thing is currently selling for, why don't we head on over to our Discord channel where uh, we have a review, I believe. Let's see here. <coughs> so, um, actually I actually have a couple. Uh, let's see. Uh, David M.T. writes, Back when Electronic Arts was good. I have great <laughs> memories of playing this game two-player with a friend, although it was on a C64. An excellent concept for a video game that is well executed. Also gotta love that record-style packaging that came out in the early days of EA. Mitsuyama writes, I never played this before, and when I first loaded it, I was expecting a chess-like strategy game. 
I was a little disappointed when the battle screen first appeared as I wrongly assumed that the game would be won or lost based on your performance in the arcade section alone. However, the more I played, I discovered that you need to plan your moves on the board to give you the best chance of beating your opponent on the battle screen, especially on the squares that cycle between light and dark. Throw in the spells and the gameplay can become quite complex. I only played one-player games, and I imagine that two-player games can be a lot more fun, but it is still a particularly good game, 8 out of 10. Graham W. Vebke, the legend, he writes, I will challenge this foe. I adore this game, and I've played it on many computer platforms. I started my journey with the Apple II, and from there, the C64 DOS and ZX Spectrum, plus the not-so-great versions on the Amstrad CPC, Amiga, and the PC-88. The CPC, Aaron, I guess, lost out again. Yeah, typical. Yeah. The C64 is one of my is the one that many would be familiar with, and it's one of my favorite games on that platform. However, in my opinion, the Atari 8-bit computers had the best. That's right, the best version of Archon. I'm with you, Graham. I agree. Sure, the SID has great sounds that the Atari can't match, but the controls and the character movement in the arena is so superior on the Atari. I always choose to play dark when I play. Yes. The shapeshifter for such a high-value character is weak, and as such is an appealing sacrifice for the light side to focus on. This alone gives you ways to draw up strategies to eliminate the unicorns and the gen. Once they are gone, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Mastering each character in the arena, the time shifting between light and dark, and the PowerPoints all offer different strategies to claim victory. Multiplayer is great fun too, especially as the CPU does get a bit predictable at times. Brilliant all-time classic game, nine out of ten. Yeah, Graham loved it. I will say is, and Graham mentioned this. We actually, I, I agree with that about the Atari. I did just for fun. I, I took a look at the Atari and the C sixty four version of this, and I mean, there you go. If you're if you can see this at home, or I can tell you that the Atari version just is not only look better, it does play better in my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is nothing, not a slight against the C sixty four, which does have better sound. But it just the Atari version just delivers in the control department, and the controls on this are the most important thing. Much like Star Control, which you mentioned earlier, you know the controls are king, and that's where that's that's one element of this game that the Atari does very well. Boat. Yeah, yeah. Now I had a look at this on eBay. Uh, I was expecting this to be um, to be uh, you know a pretty pretty high dollar item. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's not. Uh, you can get. Uh, you can get the game for twenty five, uh, just loose, or you can get uh, seventy bucks and get you the complete LP style uh, sleeve and everything. Which I would love to a have a lot that. of those. A lot of those early EA games are much more expensive than that. So yeah, it's still it's still pretty reasonable. Uh, you can get it as low as thirty dollars uh, from foreign sellers. And I did check. I always check. Uh, best electronics they uh, sell a lot of new old stock Atari stuff. Yeah. Currently sold out of uh, of Archon on the. We would we should mention that the the album cover art on this is outstanding. They yeah. did a great job. It, I mean, it really not only does it represent the game real well. It's very evocative. It just looks it looks like something you'd get on like a record album, yeah, uh, or something. It was it it just looks great. Just yeah. a great game all around. Boat. Absolutely. All right. Now, as we cycle around towards the end of the show, I do want to let everybody know that if you like twelve hundred XL and you would like to see this show morph into a weekly experience head on over to patreon.com slash 1200 xl you can support the show and uh, if we get to that mystical magical 200 dollars a month mark on patreon 1200 xl will morph into a weekly show where we have a 
we'll we'll be playing twelve, uh, you know, Atari Eight Bit games till the cows come home. So uh, we appreciate uh, the support. And we also appreciate all of the fine, fine folks that are watching us right now live on Twitch. We record uh, Atari or we record twelve hundred XL as well as all of our other shows, Amigos, uh, Our Sinclair, and the Coco Show, as well as ARG Presents on twitch.tv slash amigos retro gaming and we want to give a shout out to everybody who is joining us in the chat this evening we've got our intrepid moderator duncan styles as well as amiga live atten barkbit beach bum seven benny cake bitstorm canadian retro things cobrian commander root jorney j dave velociraptor delamort 78 edvin helen exile in paradise proto nl hamo one level lord jason warns jimmy ray one and i don't care cool <laughs> 1978 l curtis boyle all hail mitsuyama mr cola orom card 2010 retro rewind.ca rob flack o'hara super tech boy tom toms vnk bigger pros wide world retro wing chun wolf yanni yak and z9k9 thank you guys so much for hanging out with us thank in you. the chat now uh this game aaron was your pick uh next the next episode is mine and i think i'm gonna we're gonna tackle one of the all-time classics for the atari 8-bit systems montezuma's revenge oh boy all right sounds good yeah yeah i can't wait for that one so we will see you next time until then make sure you play atari today